In here, we pour whiskey, 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 whiskey. You were that creature in the ginger beard. Sturdy and ginger. Like vampires, the ginger gene is a curse. Gingers are beautiful. You owe me $5 for the whiskey and $75 for the horse. Gingers are hell no. This whiskey is excellent. Ginger. I like gingers. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Whiskey Ginger. My guest this week is one of my favorite people on earth. I say that for all my guests. Don't be flattered, no, but it is true no, it with you, okay? okay? It won't go to your head because no, no. you know better. It's Mr. Ben Harper. Ben Harper, thank you for coming, man. For clap, clap me. for you. Thank you. I appreciate you. You're the best. You. Um, we met through uh, the interwebs, which yeah. is kind of the nicest thing in the world about yeah. the internet. Yeah. Of all the negative shit on the internet, I think that's one of the best things. Finally is put it to good meeting use. people that you respect and that you like. And we both uh, appreciated each other's art. Yours, uh, for me, was uh, a big deal in my life. Mine was um, a TV show that got canceled. So that happens. So that it's official? It's gone, that, yeah. That's a, that's a huge loss. Yeah, I'll that drink show, to that. Yeah, I'll drink. I'll drink to. I air cheers you because I can't cheers yeah, water. My grandfather yeah. said you go to hell. Yeah, right. but I'm already going, so I guess that doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, but Ben, uh, Ben, yes, you were a fan of the show. I thought that was amazing, and I told you I was a huge fan of your your music and your art, and it was influential to me as someone who isn't a musician. And uh, we started chatting, and then we had dinner, huh? Yep. We had a wonderful dinner. It. We had some That's, male bonding at Musso that, and Frank's. That was all time. One of, the high, one of the highlights of two, 2018 for me. Yes, last year. That, that would have made my top nine, that bullshit thing that people do on Instagram. That would have made my, my top nine things that I love to do, we, that we went out and, and chatted. I think we got like real deep into our family history and our lives, yeah. too. Yeah. You, di- just, you, you divulged. And, and just, it just led us there. We didn't, yeah. It's not like we were, you know. It was the steak. For or, me, it was the steak. Yeah, the, true. The steak the, usually the gets me emotional about my father, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it all comes out. Musos. Yeah, classic Musso style. Yeah, a steak and sadness about dad. Show people at home real quick your phone just so we can show people that you're that you're old school. Yeah. The flip dip. Yeah, yeah. You don't mess around with the iPhone or none of that shit. No. Why? You, this is not your thing. I have an iPod for music and photos. Yeah. But when I walk out of the house, I don't want to be chained up like that. You don't want to be on, you don't want to be teched out of your head? Nah. Yeah, you think it's too convenient to like get into a rhythm of looking at Instagram and Twitter or whatever? Yeah, it's too gratifying. Takes up too much time for me. Just, yeah, just for my thing, and and I also when write, I don't like to write on the fly. Like I like to kind of think about what I'm writing. Ah, uh, you're one of those people that cares about what they say. Trying <laughs> in this era, everybody should. I think that's so. Con- it's so convenient to send a text. It's like too easy to just blast off a text. Yeah, and, you know we shouldn't. And it's so easy to also misread a text or an email. Right. Well, that's especially the, when you're not putting any thought into into. That's the biggest problem that I have with all of it. Is that you're throwing stuff out of the universe so fast. You don't really care if you said something stupid or careless or emotionally detached because it's so quick. You know, that's like the biggest problem. I think that's where the most fights start. Like with me and my wife, it's kind of like, I didn't mean it that way. I was just like, yeah, okay. You know, like, yeah, okay. It's such like a rude way. But, but really what you're saying is, yeah, sure. I'm all, I'm all in. You just don't you're articulate just on the go. it. If you're on the go, you're trying yeah. to abbreviate, keep it short. Yeah. Sometimes people but it's want rude. more. It, it, it did, you, be... did you ever own an iPhone or I have did. an iPhone? I did. And when did you give it up? Uh, four years ago. Yeah, you just, don't miss it. No, I put it in a cup of water. That did you it. really? Done. You could have just stopped using it. True. <laughs> I, I needed I needed, I needed. a freaking You really wanted to solidify yeah, to cut. it being gone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and also, I mean, I thought going to the DMV was a pain in the ass, man. Going to, the, go, no offense. Yeah. Well, no to the, offense to the going, DMV. Going That's to, one of the no worst places on earth. DMV. Yeah. But going, I'll to say the, it. going to the, the Apple that, store. That Apple store hustle, man. I yeah. Like, oh. I yelled at an Apple employee one time. I said, when, when that guy died, this place went to shit. When Steve Jobs died, I feel like Apple went to shit. I feel like every time I go now, it's the worst place on earth. I mean, I'm waiting in lines. I have to talk to nine different people. Yeah, you have to schedule with an expert that sends you to a geek and that sends you to, a brilliant nerd or whatever fucking categories they have now. And if I'm giving you money, I would love a little bit of like a, a little bit, a little bit of humility, a little bit of a good attitude. Oh yeah. You're not going to get that. Coin, no, yeah. you're not going to get that. But also the thing too is you're not just firing off texts and emails. You're waiting for them. Yeah. You're si- I'm sitting around anxiously. So you're, yeah, you're right. Then you're at the mercy of someone else's kind of time frame as far as how rapidly they respond and you're kind of looking, you're waiting and it's, is it weird? It's weird because now in this generation of, uh, if I don't get a response in the timing that I want a response, I'm pissed. Yeah, it, which is so lame. You shouldn't expect that ever, right? Especially as busy as everybody is running around this yeah. world. You know, it, 
kids, family, friend, you, and yeah, people want instant instant responses. And half the time, I'm on a skate. I, I skate. Yeah. So if I spend three hours on a skateboard and you hit me at the ten minute mark when I'm on that board, because if I'm I'm older, yeah, older skate, you got to stay hot. You got to keep going. The second you stop skating for three minutes, five minutes on a because your muscles you're, get you're, tight. You're cooked. When you say you're older, viewers don't know you're 107. That's yeah. <laughs> You're not that old, man. You make it sound like you're so old, but True. you do still skate. You're still heavily involved in skate. Yeah. We talked because yes. P. Rod was here. Yeah. Um, uh, Paul Rodriguez, the, the best, the, the young, the skateboarder, not the not his father. We talked about him, but um, he's he's a fan of you. We had talked about you. Come on, uh, no, yeah, seriously, and uh, come on, you're not you're not blown away by that, are you? Yeah, no, he is. And we talked about you because um, you know you've invested in in skateboard uh, in skateboard companies in the past, right? Yeah. You have one now, yeah. still, right? Roller whore, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And, and and who is it with? Mike York. Mike York is doing yeah, it with you. Yeah. And where is it out of? Is it Southern California? Southern California. Yeah. yeah. Which is funny because I think people don't, people don't really know. I don't, I don't really know what people know about you. I'd have to ask all the people. But you were born in Southern California. I was. Yeah. yeah. And raised here. Yep. And, and I think most people just assume musicians were born elsewhere or comics were born mm-hmm. elsewhere and then they move mm-hmm. here. Right? Like, it's kind of like for me, I started stand-up in Los Angeles. And when people hear that, they're like, R- I thought you're from Chicago. I'm like, no, I am. But I moved here and started here. But I think yeah. we all have this fascination with everyone came from fucking Cleveland and then like, God, your big break on Absolutely. you know on the way here. No, it's like, yeah. there's a lot of people that were born here or started here or originated their career here. And you were born in, in, in was it Inland Empire? Inland Empire. Yeah, you were born exactly. in the IE. 909. Yeah. Yeah. The 909. Yeah, yeah. Respect to the 909. Was it was it a, a, a working class? or what, what was like the, because now... Inland Empire is like getting nice, right? Isn't it getting really, isn't it nice? Fancy? Inland Empire is definitely on the ascent. Yeah, it's on the rise. Yeah. When you were growing up there, was it, was it, was it on the way up or was it kind of like a working class or middle class or what was it? It's still working class and that maintains, yeah. but I mean the town I'm from, Claremont, college town, it's, you know, it's kind of seen as, I mean, you, we were broke, but we got by. Broke, but got by, but, yeah. But there was, it was the, the upside of being broke. You know what I mean? There's that. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. You th- that they probably shaped who you were and the way you saw the world, I guess, right, though? For sure. Yeah, you broke but got by. It's funny because like my parents were never broke, but my parents always bitched about money. Uh, that's okay. like something I'll always remember. Okay. Is my mom, my stepdad more, like always about like, oh, we've, you know, oh, yeah, you know, it's expensive. Or It was always like we weren't poor or broke, but they talked like we, we were running out of money at any moment. So, so you I grew have up this with panic. That, you were even as a kid. I have it now. I yeah, think about okay. it constantly. I know how much money I have, but I'm still like, Same. what if it take, gets taken away? But just because it was that rhetoric was like involved in my head was like, you know, it could be gone. It's like, could it? I don't know. There are certain things from your youth that are unshakable, right? Yeah. Whether it's like the, the money thing you're talking about, yeah. the socio political right. thing. Like when you're, it's so hard to extricate yourself from your parents' sort of perspective on the world, and right? On politics and on religion. It's and true. That, that, sinks deep right and it's interesting the things that you just can't get out from under yeah i think well I mean, that's the thing is like you usually there's things you don't want to right right so that's right. the upside and you get stuck i think the things you can't get away from are those socioeconomic uh bubbles that you tend tend to get trapped in when you grow up in a certain mm-hmm. way and then um traumatic things like you know seeing your dad's penis for the first time that's probably the worst thing in the world you know when he walks out of the shower and you're a little boy and you see that and then you you see your penis and you're like, it's just, uh, I don't know if I'll ever get there. That was my worry. I was like, I don't know if I'll ever grow in to that. Right. You right. never had that worry. Did you have a man penis when you were a child? <laughs> no, but I can't get the vision of you looking at your dad's penis. Out of I'll my send you now. a photo. We took family photos of me looking at my dad's dick. That was our Christmas card, 96. <laughs> was me looking at my dad's dick. <laughs> Some things you can't escape, you uh-huh. know? No. When did you start, when, when did you start, uh, when when did you when would you say you started full time playing music? Full time like, playing music, early, late teens, early twenties. Yeah. where that that was it. No matter what else I did, I knew I was going to do that to support myself making music. Now there's a lot of things on the internet that say they think they know what influenced you, and I I hate the question of who influenced you because people say that to me as a comic, and I'm like, what do you? Uh, everybody, I don't know. I make it to me, but like, what do you think was a maybe a moment in your life that influenced you to really fall in love? With I've music? I've actually come full circle on on the question, and I'd say. All the pain, all that stuff we we talk about, and we yeah. talk about at dinner, and even touched on here. I mean, it's the hard shit 
the gritty shit, you yeah. know. Uh, that's what pushed that, you into really that's, needing. That's, that's half of it. And the other half is then what moves you that you hear at a young age that you reach for. Right. You know, early blues and soul and folk music. What was your favorite record when you were a kid? My favorite record was Jimi Hendrix Smash Hits. That was your, that was like by far, that, that was the, yeah, that, that was that the was one. It. Fascinated with him, huh? Wore a hole in it, yeah. Yeah. If there was one of those legends that's dead now that you wish you could kick it with, that if they could be alive for like an hour, who would it be? It would have to be, it'd have to be Hendrix, yeah. right? Just because he he's the bookend. I mean, that Hendrix is kind of the reason I didn't play electric guitar. Like I play lap steel. Right. Because there was nothing, I didn't feel like I could find anything left to say after Jimmy. You oh, know? that's so amazing. I, I, you You thought perhaps... He had cornered the market so well in that that it was like I'm gonna leave that for him. I'd I'd mess around on electric and and round neck and stuff like that, but I just I went man, that's really been done, and it, it that was part of what brought me to lap steel that I felt like I could find myself in an instrument, right. so, something that may have not been expressed. What yet. what was the moment that you knew you didn't suck? Do you know what that is? Like I feel like a lot of performers have a moment where you know you don't suck. There was a moment where I was 19, 20 years old, and I did an open mic at Cal Poly. Yeah, Cal Poly Pomona College. Shout out Cal Poly Pomona, by the Shout way, out. you guys. You know that's the home of the home of the shoelaces. That's their mascot, the Cal Poly shoelaces. Come on. No, that's... <laughs> you <laughs> you de- they say I'm gullible, I believe. I know, that. I know. Played a gig solo, just me and a few guitars, and a guy named Lindsay, and I can't remember Lindsay's last name, I just remember his first name, and I, it's, I, I know, but I have the article somewhere in, in my archive. And like I have an archive that makes it sound organized. You but, do. You have yeah. a huge archive of the house. Yeah, <laughs> he thumbs through this massive drawer of of archival footage of himself. Yeah, but the, it was a review, and I got it. it. Was the first review I ever got, and he said, you know, I didn't plan on staying for this guy's gig, but after the first song, because I, I had to get home and miss traffic, but this guy, I realized was worth me missing traffic for. Oh, that's brilliant. And I was like, damn it, I hate it. I hate, you know, traffic is just notorious and this has been always. Here, I like, yeah. I was like, wow, he was willing to miss traffic for my gig and wrote about it. I was like, <laughs> that's, that, that's monumental. Maybe I don't. So. Maybe I don't suck. Yeah. That's a great moment. I, I feel like I, the moment that I knew I didn't suck was, um, since you asked. Uh, no, yeah, please. <laughs> the moment I knew I didn't suck was, I was playing a dog shit gig in the middle of nowhere. Um, and. Uh, this was, I was 24, mm-hmm. 25 mm-hmm. and I had snuck my way into like a BC room, like a C room, a, co- a comedy C room is like, you know, they can't really get big names or headliners or anything like that. So they get, they farm out like either local guys from LA to drive way up to middle California or middle Nevada to go do these B or C rooms, which was it, which was in dying. Right? Oh my they, God. When yeah. They, when, yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, and you know, we get a, by the way, I hate to interrupt you, but that yeah, do episode, it. man, where you were just laying the hick out to dry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a real story, by the way, from one of the writers. You know okay. that. No. Uh, one of the stand-ups uh, on the show we're referring to, and I'm dying up here, uh, canceled. Uh, <laughs> Unacceptable. I won't accept it. <laughs> it is. Listen, it's if, over. If Arrested Development can keep coming out so yeah. many years later. I, don't, I, I, think, I think they're burying us really bad. No, but can't we, can't we do a go... F- Go fuck me. We can go. We can do a go fuck me. They did a go fuck me. Showtime did a go fuck me when they canceled the show. No, but can't, but, but can't we really though? <laughs> we can't. Can can. No, nah, we can't. We'll go pick it outside of, of the president's house. I know where he all lives, right. so we'll all go right, do that. All right, all right. But at the very least, that one of the scenes that we're talking about is when I went in on a, a biker gang, and uh, one of the writers on the show, I forget, it was one of the writers, or I think so, but had a situation where he was joking with a dude, but didn't know he was part of a biker gang, and one of the dudes in the back was like, "Shut the fuck up! That you don't know who that is." And of course, afterwards, they kicked the shit out of him because he thought, oh, we're having a good time. And, he, and the guy outside was like, yeah, we're having a good time, but like, I run this area and I can't let you like do me like that. Um, so that was, that was, that was but that, but that, but that, that kind of felt like this thing that I was doing, by the way, like that, that feel of it. It was a dirty bar. It was, it, I want to say it was Utah, but I don't really remember. Sea room. <laughs> yeah. Sea room, yeah. just in the middle of nowhere. And um, I'll never forget, they, I had told the guy, I could only, I self-booked. Oh, my wife booked me. This is crazy. She used to call and pretend like she was my agent. But we had said- How long have you guys been together? Since the beginning of time. The dinosaurs roamed the earth. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, But she had called, I think we had said that I was only going to do like 30. And when I got there, the guy was expecting me to do an hour. He's like, it's a headliner set. You have to do an hour. And I remember like panicking, thinking like, well, they're going to find out. and not going to give me my money. I'm going to drive home broke. I was like scared and nervous that all this was going to kind of collapse on my shoulders. And 
I was up there and I did like the 27 minutes I really had. And then the next 30 minutes, I just fucked around and I let loose and I was just hoping that I was peeling through the time, peeling through the time. And when the hour was done, I did good enough and I got off stage and I really snaked my way through it. I didn't, I did barely have, you were out on a, you hadn't had, been that far out. I truly probably had 12 minutes of real material, you know, but I learned to make the 12 into a shitty 30. And then that other 30 was just me talking to the crowd and goofing around. And, and the booker, uh, this dude who was there, uh, had come up to me and, uh, gave me my money and was like, hey man, that was really funny. You know, if you know anybody else that wants to come, you know, you're, you're really good. So any, anybody you recommend, I'll trust. Wow. And I, I remember going back to my, uh, my car and thinking, okay, I think, I think I don't suck enough to make this keep going. Like I was like, I think I'm going to make this work. I think, I think this is going to continue if I can do this this way. And it wasn't good. It was just, if I got by then I thought, well, then all I'm going to do is grow. And you knew it. You recognized it. Right. Right. It was was just like, it was like a moment of like, oh, okay. You know, I'm going to, I'm just going to grow now. If I can get away with that, if I can handle that kind of pressure, it can only get, not easier, but only get more, I can only adjust more to it, you know? That, that was like my little baby, I guess I, guess I don't suck type of thing. The first time um, you got paid? The first time I got paid for doing yeah, a gig yeah. was here in town. I mean, the first club that passed me in town was a, the, the Hollywood Improv on, um, on Melrose. They were the first club that passed me on my birthday, which was crazy. What do you mean passed you? Uh, pass means like um, you become a regular and you can call in for spots. So before that, you're just kind wow. of, you're kind of like clawing to get into the club, okay. you know? Like as a musician, when you want to get into, like say a guy wants to get into Viper Room or, 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 or well, the key club's not there anymore, or it's something else, but, um, or the whiskey or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. You, do, do, if you don't have an agent or you don't have a booker, you have to call them directly. Yeah. And how do you convince them as a young musician to get into one of those clubs anyway? How, how would you do that? Is there open, there's no open mics. No agent. Right. Open open mics. Word of mouth would be the only way. Just right. But the room. whiskey doesn't have open mics. No, you'd have to bring it in. Someone would have to kind of see you and then recommend right. or you, another musician or artist see you and then have you open up for them. Right. Kind of thing. I mean, you, yeah, yeah. Is, did that happen to you? Did you kind of have that that little bounce into the game or? Not so much. No. No. It was just no, you. The first on. time I played the whiskey, I paid to play the whiskey. You pay them? Yeah, yeah. So you pay them. And they uh, give you a bunch of tickets and say, go sell them. And then you got to sell the tickets for them again. You got to sell the tickets for you. To make back the money that you paid. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's bananas. Do you remember how much it was that you paid them? Like $750, which at the time was like $7,500. Oh my God. Yeah. You pay them that money and then you hope you make it back on tickets. And you hope you can sell them to your friends. And how many tickets? And you're on a group of about, you've got 30 minutes and you're on with 10 other groups. Damn, who that's all, who that's have all what, had to sell their. They all had to do. Yeah, they do it. Yeah. And is it the same thing like with comedians? So the similar thing for us would be like open mics. Um, open mics is kind of similar to what you're saying because a lot of comics they joke. I had to pay to be on this because you had to, you know, you drive there and they usually made you buy a drink at the bar or buy buy you had to buy a coffee or you had to buy stuff. Obviously, mm-hmm. it wasn't as expensive as mm-hmm. that. But then people that came for just their friends, they just came to see them, or there's just comics. So you're really performing to like your peers, which is really difficult. So like for you, were there moments of you're performing, but it's really for, they came to see this one dude that they all came to see and it hits you like, oh, I don't know if I can have as many people here as I thought. Yeah, there is that, that moment where you recognize you're just kind of swimming in the same small pool amongst your peers and this time you're just paying to do it. What was the crack? Because you end up giving the tickets away or selling them right. instead of for 20 for 10 or, or instead of for 10 for five. And also, the open mics were always great, but the problem with open mics is you're playing to a bunch of other people who are waiting to go on, and they're nervous as shit. Well, that's yeah, that's the so same thing. The same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the same. That's the same thing is that they comics are always thinking about what they're going to do, so they're never paying attention to other comics anyway. You know, when 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 we're at open mics, it's kind of like you're so involved in what you're going to do. It's so selfish. It's such a selfish thing. Stand up, so you're like, I can't even listen. I can't even enjoy the other comedian, even if I think they might be funny. But that those days, those days kind of really molded you into like learning the politics, right? Like that became a, the political game very became clear so. yeah. before you ever knew what it was. You know that kind of was like a very a big stamp 
in, uh, you know, on, on your comic paperwork for me to be like, this is, this is the path that you have to take. And that was the thing, playing at the whiskey, to be able to say amongst even your peers that you played the whiskey was huge. Never mind that you had to pay, you could kind of leave that out that of the conversation. That was still a big deal. You get to say, and then that becomes the sl- smallest of building blocks. Wow, that's cool, man. I think, that's, was, I think that's cool. And since you asked the first time I got paid, <laughs> was it a church basement open mic and people are starting starting to catch wind that the songs might he, like he's writing his own stuff and it's it's like it's kind of worth at any rate there were more than 10 people there right and so at the end of the night it was a, Pat Brayer is one of the great Inland Empire songwriters Pat Brayer Pat Brayer okay and he's written songs for I just I'll even just drop one name Allison Krauss okay and but he's he's as masterful a songwriter is as is alive, Pat Brayer. And he used to throw a concert series himself. So just basically to give himself a gig, right. but would put other local groups who he respected on the bill. And he called them Starvation Cafe, the Starvation Cafe series. And he'd do them anywhere people would give him a venue, a living room, a garage. This one happened to be in a church basement. Do Where was the church? Fontana. To put this below you, by the way, oh, just sorry. in case. Yes, no, yes, you're good. Yes. Fontana. Fontana, California. And which is known for any number of things, Kaiser Steel, etc. And it's Hell's Angels, all kinds. Of, Fontana's interesting place. Yeah, we won't get into that now. No, no. But, yeah. <laughs> but church basement, the Kawea Bird Singers, uh, Native American group, chanting on a drum. Frizz Fuller, legendary songwriter, wrote for uh, David Lindley, myself, Pat Brayer on the bill. At the end of the night, we're in the parking lot, and he comes up and hands me a pile of dirty bills. And I, and I could tell by the weight I'd never held that much cash. Oh, that's great. And he, he, I said, what's this? And he says, this is from the door. And we were at a church, a fancy old Catholic church. And I remember seeing the door walking into going, God, these are nice. The church doors are everything. You know? Right, oh yeah. And I thought he had taken the door off the hinges and sold the door. <laughs> these are from the door. I'm like, no, man. Damn, go dude, you sold the I said, door? you gotta go get those back, man. You can't go selling church doors. <laughs> And he says, he said, and he went, man, you, you really are green. He said, no, this is from the people who came through the door and paid. This is your share. Wow. Like, Holy shit. That's incredible. Mad. Do you remember how much it was? 50 bucks. 50 bucks? 50 bucks. That's good money, man. Hey. Just for real, though, because our first gigs, um, you know, typically around town, you get, you know, 10 to 15 bucks for your first, like, paid gig. That's, like, yeah. for your first paid go. set. Yeah. I, I mean, that, and when you start getting more money as time goes on, it is crazy to, to because we get, you know, as artists, you're like, and I want more, and I want more, and I deserve more. And you, you forget that the church doors, was that was that meant a lot, you know? The church doors was everything. I mean, you thought, he, you, you thought he sold the doors to give you 50 bucks. By the way, church doors are probably worth more than $50. I was thinking, and I was like, man, you <laughs> he, got go to go get them back. Yeah, you got to get those doors, man. Had blown glass in them, it was beautiful. Yeah. But that was your... That was your that was that was a, a monumental first paid gig, and it kind of like sets you up, right, to know, well, this is truly going to be my profession. I think that's what it does to to performers as you go, all right, well, now it's real. Yeah, you say, well, my car may be repossessed. It's ruining my TRW credit score. I owe, sure. I owe five grand. Sure. But you know what? This is the finest feeling $50 I will ever have. Yeah, you know, yeah. And I'll keep sinking deeper into debt if I can keep getting these these crusty bills fine it's worth it it. let's go when when you so this is i want i want to talk to you about this it's kind of like a a a parallel thing you know we we talked at dinner about how comics and musicians have so much in common it's kind of crazy i mean people 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 know you know those guys like i've talked about this before like john mayer loves comedy loves coming around and there's a lot of comics that like to be in the music world and vice versa and something that's going on right now is you know the, the, the critical breakdown of the comedian and what and 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 the access to comedian sets and all stuff. And the, there's a comic Tiffany Haddish just got, you know, a lot of talk online because uh, they said she bombed at this New Year's set. And she's so big and famous right now. And they criticize her. And it's like every comic is angry about it. Because it's like we've all had fucking terrible sets. Dude, I've had a million terrible sets. My, I'm just not famous like Tiffany Haddish. And mine aren't publicized to the world mm-hmm. on, you know, on, yeah. on, on whatever bullshit news article that pops up. Yeah. For you, for you though... Have you had those shows that are so bad where you quote unquote bomb that that it kind of shakes your career a little bit that it that it hurts you a little bit or no? 
Have I had any career-defining bombs? Like, like I guess, I guess the, the the way to say it is because it's not going to ruin her. It's not going to do shit. It just is like a, a little bullshit stain that they put. Yeah, they should. Yeah, and they shouldn't do that. Yeah, but no. do you have those? Did that happen? Yeah, I mean, I've had reviews specifically. I think the musicians' uh, version of that is a bad review. Are bad reviews? Right. Yeah, because there's kind of that's. And I was thinking when you were saying, uh, you know, as far as building blocks like we you have to hang around the clubs and then get in the sea rooms and, and work your way into the clubs right there's kind of no equivalent in comedy for a record deal really though is there because the live is the live is what we have in common but yeah then there's you, a recorded you, medium a special i guess when you do a special or, or an album recording that would be that it. that to us is kind of the same like it, signing it, with a label would be like getting with netflix it, now however so many people are doing their own thing you know things like this yeah. that it creates new mediums for us to get our voice and expand our, our fan base and all that stuff, you know? That's cool as shit. Yeah, I yeah. think I think I think it's I think it's, you know, I think it's the future of comedy is connection with fans and that's just another step of connecting with fans because for us it's kind of like we're the funny guy, you're good and then that's kind of it, it's over, you know? And unless you see me live again, what else do you really have? You know, like I want to listen to your record again and again and again in my car. But I don't know if people really listen to comedy records or specials again and again and again. It's it's not the same thing, you know. Where for for us, this Although is a way maybe, for them to maybe, listen to us again. Maybe it's turn yeah, it's turning it. Netflix is is enabling that to happen. It can, right? yeah, it yeah. can. But I think I think podcasts are what's really like people can listen to this every week, or they can listen to you know a new sure. one every day. And I think that that helps them receive more of the content that they really enjoy, you know. And and for for you know for your business, it's kind of like for the musician side of it you guys still really make the biggest nut in the impact is live shows, right? Isn't that the biggest still today? And I, and I still, yeah, it, it, it's gone back to that, especially with, with records. Yeah, right. Because cause, cause, cause Spotify or Apple Music, or iTunes and all that shit, like everything is free now. Yeah. So the biggest nut that musicians can still make is going to see somebody live. Yeah. yeah. I mean, same with us though. Truthfully, it's like we want people to come see us live because that's why we're doing all this other stuff. So you can really see the crafted shit. You know, that's what's up. The well worked out stuff. When you pick up a guitar, at least for me, when I picked up a guitar, I should say, you you always hope well, you get a chance to make a record and a record deal and all that. And that was always kind of you know the something a dream to aim for. Yeah. But the real deal was actually being able to pick up your instrument and play live. Yeah. And present it and share it and that interconnectedness, like when you hear people laugh or you just feel people connecting to a song that you've written, words that you've written, a melody you've written. That's where the payoff was, even before there was a payoff. You know, that's right. Where the, that was the. Have you ever have you ever seen made eye contact with someone at a show and been enamored by them the whole time? Have you ever had that? I'm not a one enamored. I, I don't. You don't go focus there. on somebody. No, because I, I've. It's it's hard enough to just. I try to kind of tune out and not be. Well, I don't see anybody. Like you, I'm weird. I, I I most for the most part I see nobody. Okay. But I know a lot of people kind of connect with somebody and they stick with them. Interesting. I can't do that. You like know, it, so comics or musicians or both. I think both. I've heard I've heard friends of both both mm -hmm. sides say they kind of they like lock with someone. They connect with them. They kind of create this thing while they're in the moment of something. Whether it's connecting with the song or their lyrics, or with jokes. Like a lot of comics like to like get in with somebody in the audience. Okay. I black out. It it looks it might as well be a blank slate to me. Like it was like when I used to play oh, basketball in high school. Yeah. I couldn't hear anybody. I thought that was the weirdest thing. Yeah. You know, granted, I am partially deaf, but that I also thought <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm not. But I, but I didn't hear. I didn't hear anybody. And you I tuned it out. I, I was just like, it was just a, uh, I don't know, a practice of habit where like I just stopped listening or I stopped seeing people. So now I really don't see people okay. like at all. It's mm -hmm. very odd. Mm -hmm. You know, like um, there was a show where a guy afterwards came up to me and he was like, "Why are you looking at me the whole time, man?" And I was like, I wasn't. He's like, you were looking right at me. We made eye contact. Wow. I, said, I promise I wasn't looking at you at wow. all. Okay. But, you know, I ended up having to take him home and sleep with him just because I felt like it was just, you know, respect. You yeah, know? I mean, he, was, he had expectations. Yeah, man. Well, yeah. we must have connected on a level yeah. that I didn't understand. Yeah. But, but have, you, um, have, you ever had, have you ever had a show? Because I'm trying to find these great similarities because we talked a little bit about it, too. And we also mentioned, I think we should do music comedy night. I think that because that in. was back in the day, that was a thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, and still today, there are guys that do it a lot today. Like uh, there, there's um, uh, Jim Brewer uh, is a great comic who, who goes out with Metallica. Um, uh, Chappelle always has musicians open for him. I think okay. it's slowly becoming like the new thing again. And I saw recently Chappelle and Lauren Hill, which was legit as hell. That was yeah, blast. man. Yeah. At the at the did you Hollywood go? Bowl. Yeah. yeah, you were there. Yeah. Yeah. Was it amazing? Amazing. At, tell me this though. Let, let's talk about this because I'm I'm interested. 
I love Lauren Hill. I always thought she was so brilliant and amazing. I mean, that that miseducation record was like probably one of my favorite records that I ever knew as a child. And then there was all this controversy about her, whether or not it was blown out of control or proportion or fake or, you know, that she had made racist statements and all this shit. Do you buy into any of that stuff or was it all None fodder? Of it. Yeah, it's all fake, huh? I, I, I don't buy it. Not a word. This is just the media taking something and running with it? Yeah, yeah, sensationalism or, you know, we all have a malprop here and there. Verbally. Okay, yeah, because it was the the lie or the the rumor was she said, um, "I'd rather have my kids starve than have another white person buy their buy her album." That's what it said online. Rather have, I'd rather have my kids starve than have another white person buy my album. Mm, mm. That's a heavy hit. Yeah, I mean, but if but, it's real, I applaud her for being so real. <laughs> <laughs> If she's that honest, I'm like, damn, that's fucking legit. If do you really right, feel that way, right, that's that's, ho- that's holding nothing back. That's that's that's. But that's I thought it was commitment. kind of. I, I felt like it might have been bullshit when I remember hearing and being like, "There's no way. There's just no. It just sounds." I like so... to hear what people say in between the statements of the moment, though. Okay, you take that as a if you, but if because if you only take that at face value, it's okay. Right. What what's being what's what's the what's the undercurrent? What was pulled out? What yeah. But what the full was, statement was she said. In other, she probably yeah. said, "I'd rather have my children starve uh, than." Uh, then have to grow up with assholes. And also, I'm surprised so many white people bought my album. And maybe from that, they were like, what is this about white people and starvation? And you're ki- That's it. That's it. You're racist. That's it. I-, I think like I think people take shit and they just like make whatever little thing that they want out of it. Because I remember hearing it and going, I just don't believe it. Like, I just don't buy that that's... It's also magnificent when... when I mean, I, I don't buy into the white black. It's too lazy. You yeah, know what I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. A, it's it's a micro millimeter of flesh, right, right, would fit in this cup. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I, I, I don't. It's a construct, a social construct. I mean, it is. There are there is color. Color is real, and you know we we our eyes are a huge part of our decisions. Right. You know, but to a point, and then there's a pitfall in that as well. So for me, I, again, it's a white and black is more of a social construct than than is the actual cultural significance of. Irish, African, etc. Sure, uh, that that's kind of where I try to live. Also, understanding that you know it's a, it's a colorful world. Does it? The, but the, but it's also it's it's also a rare opportunity to witness the tables turned as far as race in America and and. How you know when you make a proclamation like that? It's 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 much saying get your I I, I still feel your boot on my neck. Sure, you know. Sure. It's, it's, so it, it's like you know I, yeah yeah. Maybe, so like, maybe she maybe she did say it. Yeah, maybe she <laughs> maybe. did, and and and, and maybe she, maybe her, that was her point. And maybe she that's what say, she felt. Yeah, has to say you know what I, I don't like the way that black people are being treated in America today, and so I and, until people can actually see the light, mm-hmm. I need to go. To an extreme to try to right, help you to see get attention that, like, to it. Maybe I bought her album. To be fair, I, I bought this education <laughs> ten times over. Uh, I know. bought it, so I, I made sure the kids didn't starve. I bought I bought the yeah. fuck out of that album. Yeah. Um, you we we talked a little bit before, but you um, you're finishing up an album, or you're done with the album? Done with the record. Produced a record for the mighty Queen of Soul, Mavis Staples. That's so cool, man. Yeah. Are you? Is that such a? Is that like a really proud pinnacle moment well, in your life? Well, in Chicago, you know. Yeah, I mean, no, I do. I mean, it's in incredible. And for me, it it may be the best thing I've ever done. You think musically. so? Yeah, I think so. This is the best thing you've this ever done. This may be the best thing. Wow. Yeah. What's the worst thing you've ever done? How about that? Come on. <laughs> Everything else. <laughs> it's all shit. <laughs> you can listen to all that I'm other so shit he's got. Myself, man. Well, you made yeah. you made how many albums? I've I, I lost count. 16, 15? Right around there. It's up Depends there. if the collaboration records count or not. I feel like they do. You're okay. on it. It's yours, yeah. 15, right? 15, 16 made, records. That's incredible. And your first one was in what? 1994. Welcome to the Cruel World. Wow. Yeah. Did you love that album? I did. I, st- I still do. I'm just being so overly self-deprecating. Of course. I, 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 to be yeah. fair, I hate all your shit. Yeah, no, I hate every single ounce level, of okay. it. Okay, yeah. So, no, no, no. no. <laughs> You're just, just having me here for the, the for the counts. Yeah, I just, I just, want, I just need you around. No, I, I think... Uh, I mean, listen, I think I probably would uh, be candidly admitted to say like some of your earlier stuff that I'm most familiar yeah. with yes. was by far some of my favorite stuff. Thank you. In music, not just you, but that I just think it was so, it was so, 
it was so important at the time for me, I guess. So it did a lot for me, I guess. So this is me saying thank no. you. Thank you for hearing it. But um, but is there anything from that time that you're that you're not stoked about or you're not happy about? Like, because we always have, like, comics always have a catalog where sometimes they're like, I fucking hated that. I hated that special or I, I hated that performance on TV or I hate and it's And it's stuck, you know, for, for you too. It's like, you, it's always there. Is there one thing that you were like, I just didn't like that that much? You know what? I'm not, I'm not ducking anything. There's nothing, knock wood. Yeah, all this is fake. No, yeah, right. Yeah. Whatever that is, I'm yeah. knocking on it because there's nothing that I feel that I significantly have to duck from that's great i mean there's there's live shows i do over and do better that's for sure there are things i could have dug deeper done better and would do differently right but it doesn't mean i would redo them right 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 you're glad that it happened the way it happened yeah i'm trying to think if there's one thing no that but that's I a great really but that's, i mean, take back I, on. I would feel like that's a more balanced sensibility of uh, of an uh, artistic performance okay. if you're like hey man that's where i was it's hard for it's hard for me personally i shouldn't say all comics but it's hard for me because I know because because jokes, um, jokes don't last forever, and they certainly sometimes can't uh, withstand time. I mean, I'll tell you this: you can go back and listen to some of the records from you know the '70s and the '80s of guys that you know used to be on top of the world, and they're just not as great anymore. Okay. And it's just the, the because it was a sign of the times what they were talking about, and sometimes our views have changed, or we become more aware, sure. or. Sure. You know, and all these things have kind of shaped us. So comedy is, is really a great moment in time. And I feel like a song, a record, you know, if it's great, it can last forever. Granted, it's a sign of the times as well, but opinions change so much in jokes because what we were doing is we're mocking something either tragic or sad or very real and honest. And music is kind of, is, is less mock, mocking and more of... Um, painting it in a different light is showing it from the artist's perspective where comic has to kind of peel back this sad onion a little bit of something mm -hmm. shitty and try to find funny about it that's happening in the world and not to say music doesn't do that but ours somehow doesn't live as long comedy somehow doesn't live as rope. long it's a thinner rope too when you when it when there's no melody involved yeah the rope gets more thin R sure right and and you're out there right 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 we're both on a tight rope but you've got a pole there it is. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> you guys have a little bit more of a, of a better balance machine. I, I, I just feel like that's one of those things. Because I know there's jokes that I've said that have been recorded or there's that are in there forever, on something forever. Uh, I saw a thing today that I did up in at um, uh, Just for Laughs in Montreal that I was like, ah, the performance wasn't that good and I didn't really like it. And I was off and the crowd was weird and I didn't like the shit. And I was like, but I guess I just have to let it live. Have you ever thought that it was that and then you saw it back and you killed uh, or do you, I, I'll say this. I've initially saw something and I, and I hated it. I think I've told the story before, but I'll say this. I did my comedy central half hour I did in Boston. And, uh, I think I've told it before. I hope I have, cause it's a little embarrassing and funny, but at the mo the moment I walked off stage, my childhood best friend was waiting in the wings yeah. and he gave me like the biggest pound and gave me a big hug and yeah. he was kissing on my forehead and yeah, he was okay. like my dude you date my man and I kind of pushed him away a little bit and I was like give me two seconds yeah. and I ran into the green room yeah. because I was just you know he thought I just needed a minute to like chill and I bawled so hard I, cr I cried so hard it, it was shocking to me. You know, I like saw myself in the mirror crying. Like, yeah. who is this dude? It wasn't even me. I was out of body crying. Wow. I, and I cried so hard because I was, I, 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 I hated it. I, I hated it so much. I thought it was the worst thing I'd ever done. And I thought, I can't believe that went so poorly. And I didn't like the way I arranged shit. I just got so upset. And then, of course, time went by and I saw the special and uh, I liked it. And then another time went by and I really liked it. And then another time and I started to really enjoy it as time went by because I just didn't, I, I felt, I felt in the moment it just wasn't good enough. But it was also because I was just so critical of the shit that I had to just let it go. Yeah. Okay. I think that's something you have to learn, you know? And I, and then, and then when I take my hour for Showtime, I think I had a different mindset completely when I did that. I didn't cry after that one because I just, it was more about having fun and being with my family and I, my perspective was different, you know? I was growing, like if you had... An earlier song, the way that you felt when you recorded that is never going to be the same way when you record a song 10 years later because yeah. it's just what what is getting put into it and the way you put the process is different. It's more learned. And I think there's like, 
there was just so many things in my head when I first did that half hour that I couldn't enjoy it. And I, I hated that shit. But then I ended up loving it. But it grew in a good way. It, it, yeah. It, it, and by the way, like with time, it may, I may hate it again. You know, hope, I can only hope I can hate it again. It is a trip when people come up to you and appreciate things that you've done that you don't have as heightened a reverence yeah, for. Yeah, have people come up to you and said, you know what I love? And you yeah. go, oh, okay. That, that one's not, yeah, like that's not quite my jam of what I've done. What do people say to you the most? Or what do people say that you're, they're like, you know what I love, Ben? And you're and like. I, and, and songs, it, it's the songs that I, th- I hear most about in the street Fascinating. It wouldn't be the songs that I think people would. Well, tell me, recognize. like, tell me what it is. Well, there's a love song of mine called "Forever," and it's it's the song I hear, and re- I get a reaction to the most. It's a wedding song, it's a, and it's 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 a, it's become yeah. a, a wedding song. For people that don't know, you have to look up "Forever." It's you probably you probably I know you've heard it. And there's no song I'm more proud of, but you know, I have a song. There's a song called "Call It What It Is," and it's now and it's social. I think it's an important song. It's as important a song as I could write for now, socially, and I never hear about it. You know, so it's it's it's, yeah. it's but I mean, we have the I, same shit. We have jokes that I'm like, I love that joke, and people are like, yeah, it's okay. And then there's jokes where people tell you they'll go, you know what I love, and you're like, uh, yeah, okay, that's a, all right. I guess that joke is okay. I mean, that ha- that has to be. Yeah, yeah. But forever is the song you hear more than anything. More than anything. That's so funny to me. Yeah, because I wonder, like, well, I, I think the first time. The first thing that had resonated around my age range when I was, when your name became popular to me was Burn One Down because it was a very festival-y song and that was like in that group of people that I was with. That's legit and that song also kind of cross-pollinated hip-hop. Like that was a song that could go outside of of the jam band genre and speak to other genres just because of the, the subject. Do you think people label you as a jam band guy? I get that. I'll tell you what though and I will bookmark that. Because I walked out of the movie theater last night, went to see the Ruth Bader Ginsburg movie, incredible movie. It was good? Half of it I watched through tears. That good. But I saw a giant billboard for weed, and I was like, I played my role in that. Yeah. yeah. Burn One Down came out in like 95. <laughs> I was like, you know. That, that, you yeah. definitely helped that cause, without a doubt. You, you, were, you were a part of that thing. Because you were like, uh, that song was... Um, it, that song was a very peaceful and sweet and heartfelt real way of I feel I feel like uh, a teenager explaining to his parents about marijuana. <laughs> like if I wanted my dad to read the lyrics, you know, and I was like, you don't yeah. understand. You know, if you don't like my thing, you don't have to enjoy it. But I'm not doing any harm to you. I feel like it was just such an eloquently poetic, soft way of saying, I like weed. You don't have to like it. But don't be mad at me because I like it. And it was really me writing my way of trying to understand a friend right. who smokes for life. Because people imagine you smoked tons and tons of weed. Oh. I think people thought you were the biggest stoner on the earth. I, I've, I have probably got three lifetimes worth of free weed that I've... And people don't even life. know. You're allergic to weed. You can't I, even I, have I it. I don't smoke. <laughs> I, I don't. It's crazy though, right? It's nuts. It's, it's, it's because people assume that it's like, that's, that's yeah, you. That's... Uh, yeah, it's because it you know, minute it comes out of your mouth, whether it's a joke or a song, it's you. Yeah, you don't really you. have the choice, so you kind of have to find. Well, a that's way what's to going on right it. now in comedy, right? People assume it's like because you make a joke, an off-color, an off-topic joke. People are like that's how he feels. You're like, well, maybe, or maybe I'm hyperbolizing, or maybe I'm taking a story from someone else and I've put my spin on it. You know, or maybe I'm actually just trying to write something cool, different, and funny. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps I'm just trying to have a good time, right? I think people forget that kind of shit, but that is funny to think that like. Uh, some of the most like culturally or socially influential songs um, or bits or whatever, I think occasionally aren't really the soul defining thing of the artist. I feel like I've heard this before where people are like, oh, you know that song? Here's a good example. I'll give you one. Um, uh, uh, um, everybody thought that the song was about a woman, uh, but, it, but it was about his dog. Brandy. I really miss you. Randy. Okay. Yes. You know that song? Yeah. Yep. Even though now you're gone. I don't know who that is, man. You got a good voice. That, um, come on. Yeah, man. no. Nah, well, I, that's, why, that's why I really arranged this. I wanted to, <laughs> <laughs> I want to give you my new record. <laughs> well, I, don't, I can't remember the name of that song. Now I want, I mean, it's Brandy, but I can't remember who sang it. But I, I, do, I do remember, and I'm not thinking of Looking Glass. I know and it's I, about. But it's about his dog. dog. But I remember hearing people say, like, um, they were like, oh, uh, you know, for all this time, he had been in interviews um, saying, uh, uh, you know, people were like, who is this girl? Who is this woman? 
And he's like, oh, that's, oh, it's it's the OJs. I thought it was the OJs. Okay. I really miss you, Brandy. Yeah, it's not about Brandy the girl. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's about. Or it's even about, Brandy the. No, it's about this dog, this mutt. dog he loved, you know. E- even though now you're gone, you know, he says he feels the presence. I was like, that's so funny. But it became this defining thing. They're like, it's this beautiful love song. It's like, no, it's about this fucking dog. He cleans up its poop. It's about this animal he loves, you know. I also clean up my wife's poop to be fair and I've said that before on the podcast and everybody knows I do that but um, that's just what I gotta do man for love you know amen raising five kids well I make her poop outside yeah oh you okay yeah I make her poop outside yeah you do you have five kids huh that's it for you though I don't know really you might have more well I've I've finally married once and for all this is it and so yeah there, there could be third marriage third three times a charm that's it Three times a charm and five kids, and and you think maybe you'll go for another one? I finally have my sixth friend. See, I'm having kids for my friends who aren't. Oh, that's funny. And I I finally have met, one for me. Well, I, I've met I've met I've got three friends now yeah. who are certainly not going to have kids. Right. So I'm I'm having their two, two, and two. You're going to do I'm, that for I'm, them? Yeah, I'm being environmentally uh, conscious and having. <laughs> I hope. Well, I have one for me. Have one for me, and if I like it, I'll keep it. How does that sound? Fair, done. Bring it over, and if I if done. I enjoy it enough, I'll keep it. But if I have one for you, that means you can only have one more. That's exactly right. Yeah. So you'd only have one. It's like a card and I'd game. I have your other one. Perfect. Okay, good. We just keep switching. We'll talk to the missus about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somehow I think that won't go over, but you know, whatever it is, what it is. Shot. I um, I think I think maybe the hardest thing, in my opinion, that I see with friends, and this is the thing that I'm kind of kind of coming up on, is being an artist and also paying attention to, to family and and kids and that kind of stuff. Did you think that gets in the way sometimes of, of you making art? Does it hinder your progress? No. Not at all? Not at all. Yeah. The time is so evenly divided that it's all good. You just, you you have to be all things to all people in your immediate family. And you, I think friends maybe take the main hit. Like friends, your social life going right. out. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't had a friend in years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're the closest yeah. thing I have to to anything, Ben. This is it. You're that's not us. leaving this room today. That's us. No, yeah. No, no. No, I don't plan on it. <laughs> okay, good. Good. That's why these cots are over there in the corner. No, but I, but I think it does take a, it, it takes a hit on your friendship, but it, it, it hit on relationships. And I have friends that have kids and they've had to... It drop off. They just had to. Yeah, you, you have to. Because you have to manage your time in a whole new way, in a way that you could never have planned for. But here's my thing. It either makes your art stronger as a comic. And I see this as musicians too, with friends that I have that are musicians. Their art either gets stronger because of family or it suffers. Well, let me say this also to that, because that's an important point. People who say, well, you know, he was a lot funnier when he was on heroin. Mm-hmm. He was a lot better. No, no. No, he wasn't funnier he, on heroin. He, he, it doesn't, he, you're a lot, yeah, he was better when he was married. He's not married. Better with that woman when he's divorced. Better with a family, no family. No, just don't do dumb shit and devote yourself to your craft. And right. it'll be cool. Like, it'll, you know, nothing is, having kids isn't going to make you more or less funny being on a substance isn't going to make you better or work. You just have to find your rhythm, preferably one that can sustain. And if it's going to sustain, then you have to sort of live the life that chooses you as much as the one that you choose. Because there's a certain amount of the world pulling you towards it. Right. And there's a certain amount of you and your ambition clawing to where you're trying to get. So as far as, from my perspective, just, you know, be the best that you can in the environment that you're in and it because to me it's all about devotion to craft not de- it, and you have to find a way to not have those outside circumstances you have to find a way to devote and i and i have two trains running here the sort of substance abuse mm-hmm dilemma because that plays a big part in in our both of our arts right a lot of there's a a lot of addicts in both fields don't let people tell you what makes you good just be good right just Just, be good just work your ass off we talked about jordan yeah you know jordan was jordan yeah man because he worked his ass he did he did but i i do think this well this is maybe more of a question than a thought I, i i'm curious to know what you feel about I feel that most comedians are addicts in a sense, whether it's the juice, whether it's drugs, whether it's people, attention. Yes. I, 
I feel like we addiction. Live, we lives, we live, our, our success is predicated on people liking us. Right. And there's nothing healthy about that. No, it's extremely no. addictive too. Yeah. So do you think most musicians are, are, are addicts as well? Absolutely. It's just a hard time for people to admit that. Like a lot of people are yeah. like, well, no, I'm not. I don't fucking drink. I don't even, I don't even smoke. It's like, yeah. no, man. Addiction is everything and anything, you know, and it's embedded in my blood, you know, like I come from a same. world of addiction. Same. You're same. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we talk deeply about that. Yeah. And I think that like, do I believe in fate? Do I believe that there, everyone is destined for a thing? Mm, I think free will has a bigger, uh, has a larger play. I like in, that though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it has a larger play than we like to give. But I do think that my addictive personality definitely formed more of who I was as a comedian because I was addicted to entertainment and, and I was addicted to getting the getting the laughs and I was addicted to figure to winning. I loved finding out how to like beat them or make them change their thought or their thought process or you know I, I think it's a, I think we're all addicts whether or not we want to admit it. You know like and some addicts or, or, are more or, balanced. Or are you you can't really you can go to school for music and you can go to school for comedy, I suppose. Kind of maybe kind of you could you could go to school for performance art. You could go to school for you know, there's improv and sketch. Uh, but nothing is going to prepare you for your own art like your own life. Totally. Okay. Totally. And and there's a certain amount of social scientism mm -hmm. that goes into what you do. I think possibly what what we right. do. But it's not a social science. And, and the degree is the streets. The degree is your life. The degree right. is your experience. Um, but, that, but see, that's not to say, see, my thing is that's not to say that somebody who grew up uh, privileged is going to make better art than someone who didn't. Because my, or vice versa. Right, that's my thing. Like that, That's what I think does get lost in this whole thing is oftentimes people say um, to me, this happens on a constant basis, people automatically think I'm from Boston because I have red hair and I'm Irish. And they're like, did you go over to back to Boston over there? I'm like, no, I'm from Chicago. And they're like, really? You look like a, like a Boston-y, blue-collar-y guy. And it's like, well, okay, okay. And, and then like people kind of put that on me where they're like, that's why I think you're funny. He's this funny Boston guy. He's kind of, his dad was probably a ship worker. It's like, what? No, none of that mm. fucking shit is true. But I think that like people assume if you're good at something in this art world, in, in, in our art form, you must have come from dog shit. Like because it's been pushed, the rhetoric has been so heavily pushed that it's like, Oh my God, he's incredible. You know, you know, you know, he moved to, you know, LA with 17 cents and his dad was, everyone thinks in our, in our world about prior, you know, sure. about uh, this, this growing up in a, in, with drugs surrounding him, his father being an addict and life being just terrible. Mm -hmm. And so they go, that's why he's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't think that's why he's amazing. I think that helps shape what he is and he happens to be extremely brilliant, mm -hmm. but that's not to say that someone who came from the tip top couldn't also be great at what whatever it is they're making, you know? I happen to not come from the tip top, but there are guys in the game that that I know that came from the very well off. I mean, I think I think somebody like um I'm not sure where Stevie Ray Vaughan came from as far as the happiness scale or the class scale in Texas. Yeah. And I don't really think about that when he starts to play and sing. Right. You know? If he's good, he's good. You're right? going to transcend no matter where you came from. I do, however, find that musicians, people I'm surrounded with, skaters, come, there, there is a certain amount of, it, it seems like there's a, not a prerequisite, but whether it's coincidence or not, there's a lot of pain that tends to um, preempt the arts. 100%. I, I think a lot of the pain that I... But, but pain, but, but class structure doesn't have a, a monopoly on pain. Right. right. These That's things aren't thing. mutually exclusive. Right. 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 Like they're like, you know, there's billionaire kids that grow up with a lot of fucking pain. So, you know, I, I met a friend of a friend very recently who has more money than God. His parents own a, uh, a massive chain of something that I, I, won't, I obviously won't divulge. Sure, sure. But whatever the case, he was the most sad person I've ever met in my life. He was torn up because I don't think he had the things that he really wanted. Right, and this is an age-old story. We're not breaking any new ground no. with that, but I do think that making this distinction is important. That like, it, it it just so happens that oftentimes when you come from a grittier place, there's a little bit more bonding in our worlds when you come from this kind of grittier place because your perspective is very similar, you know. And occasionally it helps 
kind of shape the art into a, every every person's art. You know, it's like yeah, it's more it's very receivable, but it doesn't mean that someone on the other end of the spectrum cannot make wonderful shit as well. And and to a point, I think I was trying to make. Don't let other people tell you what makes your art. Just make it right. Yeah, I mean, just that's make the it thing. Good. Just just throw down. Get down. Fuck yeah. Because my God, I mean, you know, if the bookends are, are are birth and death. Yeah, we're close. There's your frequency. There, that, right. That's you. That's your. You got your. There's your shot. That's it. There's yeah. your shot. Yeah, that's yeah. It's true. Will you throw down for me for a second? You want to crack that open or no? Let's do it. Yeah, you can. You don't have to. No, let's do it. I mean, I figured it's there. It's beautiful. I want to hear something. For those at home, uh, Ben is bringing out his uh, famous ukulele. Oh, that's a guitar. I thought for some reason you're gonna bring up. Extra strings. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see if we can. Ari, come here for a second. Do you need to test this to see if you can hear it or no? That's probably gonna be good if he points oh, the no, mic a little a, bit down. What? Yeah, maybe we'll. Just get it close, clo close. The closer, the better to whatever it is. I'll lean. Give, and give me a little sugar, man. Give me a little bit of sugar. Yeah, yeah, I bought the squeaky chairs from Target. We should have had Ari tune the guitar. Why didn't you tune the guitar, man? This is for my pure pleasure and enjoyment now. Yeah, this isn't making the cut, right? Mm-hmm. No. Absolutely it is. first thing you'd say to the Lord the last thing you would dream if you couldn't dream no more won't you please help me understand is there no mercy in this land no mercy in this land followed the river till the river ran dry Followed a lover till we said goodbye Followed you through soldiers who fire on command Is there no mercy in this land? I speak in whispers, travel lonely to and from. Come close, you'll see the red of a well-bidden tongue. The righteous and the wretched, the holy and the damned. Is there no mercy in this land? No mercy in this land. Father left us down here all alone. My poor mother is under stone With an aching heart and trembling hands Is there no mercy in this land? No mercy in this land Fuck. Took me to a place real quick, man. Golly. That was incredible. Thank you so much. I really, I genuinely really appreciate that, man. Thanks that, for having that me was, on. That was, that was fucking, you got me good, man. Make me, uh, make me get emotional, man. I, I think that was, God damn, I don't want, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to mess it up. Tell me this before we go. Um, is there a way that people can see you soon? Are you going to be back on the road so people can hear you play? Going to be back on the road in the, I think, most likely the Hollywood Bowl. There's a good chance I'll be playing there this, sum, this summer. This summer? Yeah, it's summer okay. 219. But if people want to check it out, just go to the website. Yeah. Huh? Go, to, go, yeah, go, go look at benharper.com and, and yeah, all that stuff and yeah. check it out if they want to see yeah. you. Okay. Yeah. 
to my people and fans, you know. You know all my information. Go to andrewsantino.com. We'll be in Bakersfield, January 19th, Arlington. I'm going to try to make it up for that. Are you? Yeah. Come. Yep. Yeah. Come with me. Here. And all then right. I go uh, Arlington, which or Virginia, which is D.C. area, yeah. January 24, 25, 26. AndrewSantino.com. Yo, thank you, man. That's what's up. Thank you. Whisk, 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 whisk. You are that creature in the ginger beard. Sturdy and ginger. Like vampires, the ginger gene is a curse. Gingers are beautiful. You owe me $5 for the whiskey and $75 for the horse. Gingers are hell no. This whiskey is excellent. Ginger. I like gingers.